Last week, for those of you that weren't here, you can check it out on our Facebook page, but last week I spoke about honor and the incredible importance of honor in our life, in our culture, and in our personal relationships. Amen? I highly recommend you go and listen to that if you weren't. I think it's podcast on the website or it's, you can watch it on one of the old Facebook live streams. But today, I'm going to be speaking about loyalty. Loyalty is one of the children of honor, one of the children of wisdom, one of the grandchildren of wisdom. Okay, loyalty. You guys ready? Okay, let's pray. Father, we just thank you that today you are going to download not teaching, but spirit truth into us that will shift the areas in our lives that are counter kingdom. In Jesus' name, we just open up our hearts right now. We open up our minds and our intellect and our spirit, and we ask you to come in, Holy Spirit, and marinate and and baptize every corner of our hearts so that we can receive what you're wanting to say today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So where should loyalty be? Loyalty you can find in three corners of your life, not limited to, but three corners that I'm going to focus on today. Loyalty should be in your friendships and relationships around you. Loyalty should be to those that God has put you into a community with or leadership that he's put you around. And loyalty ultimately should be put in your life to God. Loyalty is a very countercultural principle today because we live in a culture where everyone is for themselves. And so the reason we have to go after loyalty, even in the church, is because the world has become so overwhelmingly influential that we've forgotten what real loyalty looks like. Okay. You guys are going to be one of those happy people again today, just like, oh, I'm so excited that he's preaching about loyalty. Um, I, I want to kick off by making this statement. Eve, Adam and Eve, Eve had relationship with God, but not enough loyalty to protect the relationship. Eve had relationship with God, but not enough loyalty to protect it. Okay. What is loyalty? I've written down a few notes here. I've got a lot of notes, so I'm going to do a bit of reading. I don't normally do reading. I just normally machine gun it, but today I'm going to read some of my notes. Loyalty is the faithful commitment to covenant. Now, in this territory, I believe that divorce in the church has now exceeded divorce in the world. Loyalty. Why we need to talk about loyalty? That's probably a good start right there. Because we've become quitters. And once you learn how to quit, it's an incredible challenge to learn how to be faithful. Because it's the slippery slope of the easy way out. Quitting. Loyalty is the endurance of a commitment to covenant no matter what it costs you. See, we're going we're to build a men's ministry here. We're going to build men of honor and valor. We're going to build men of integrity. We're going to build men that lay their lives down no matter what it costs them. The Bible says this, that when you make a promise, you keep that promise even if it harms you. Because in this, in this society, what people do is, is they, they'll say something 
And then they have the loophole clause that it doesn't work for me anymore, so I need to renegotiate. But actually, the God that we worship, the God that made us with his own words and his own breath, keeps his promise to his own hurt. And while we talk about Daddy God, we don't want to look like him in the area of loyalty. We want to have comfort. And comfort looks like what doesn't cost me. For instance, oh, we've been married three years now and the marriage is getting hard, so let's actually divorce and just, we can still be friends, but it's not working out and let's go find someone else. That's not loyalty, that's quitting. Quitting is for cowards. Now that's not going to go down well in liberal California, but I'm not a liberal Californian. I'm a son of heaven. So I don't get to care about what you feel. I get to care about what he values. I do care about you, but I'm not, I love you enough to not make you feel good. I love you enough to tell you what he values. Lucifer had relationship with God. He was the most glamorous angel in heaven, but he didn't have loyalty that kept him there. Because he believed that he had a better option. Okay. The second point. The consistent steadfastness of allegiance to another. Allegiance. Now this is something that we lack in the society. We believe that the only person we should be loyal to is ourself. If it makes me feel good. If my friend starts to make me feel uncomfortable, I don't need to be their friend anymore. And now because marriage is so accepted and uh, divorce is so accepted in marriage, now I can divorce friends too. And now I can make them cheap and disposable and get rid of them and pretend like they never existed. It's so common in this part of the world that people have developed a term for it. They call it ghosting. Let me give you an example of how messed up it is here and how deeply entrenched it is into this culture. I grew up, I've been in construction since I was 16 years old. In New Zealand, now New Zealand has a plethora of its own issues. I'm not saying New Zealand is better, but in this regard it is. You will go and quote a job for a person that's wanting to have a project done and you'll call them the next day and then they need a few days to decide and then you call them back and they'll either say, hey, it's really good or they'll say, hey, look, we've actually got a better price. We're going to go with someone else. Decency and respect, right? But here, you'll spend five, six days putting a price together, all work and effort, and you cannot. It's not that you can't make the phone ring. It's that they will not pick up the phone. They ghost you. Because integrity has no value and loyalty has no place in this territory. And it's become normal. So the problem is, is that when you grow up in that society, honestly, I'm a revolutionary reformer. I know that some of you are like, oh, he's just defending my culture. It's not your culture. It's the devil's. You've just been hanging out in it long enough to think that it's normal. I'm just in my big caterpillar bulldozer. Just. <laughs> Number three, 
the costly engagement of another's honor, safety, reputation, and security that we are for them no matter what comes. Loyalty. The costly engagement of another's, uh, another's uh, honor, safety, reputation, security. Loyalty. See, if any of my friends runs into danger, I will fly back from a vacation early because I am invested. And it's not that I have uh, uh, cultural pressure. It's that I have mandatory obligation because I have an allegiance to that person, no matter how costly it is to me. Can we talk about God for a second? God who did not even spare his own son. Where was the covenant made? The covenant was made in the garden. Jesus didn't come to the world to save it out of obligation or he didn't come to save it out of sympathy, rather. He came to save it out of loyalty. He came to save you and me out of loyalty because God is not a quitter. If anyone goes to hell, it's not going to be because God sent them there. It's because they quit on his offer. Okay. This is definitely not Orange County chat, but let's just turn the tide and make it Orange County. Okay. This territory is long in need of a turnaround. Okay. <laughs> so let me read that again because it's a good one. The costly engagement of another's honor, safety, reputation, and security that we are for them no matter what comes. Now, let, let me add to that. Because I, I, I wrote this down before. That's why I was, a little, I was sitting out the back. And there was a couple of things I knew I just needed to get out. We are conditional people. Well, as long as they don't make any mistakes, I'll be loyal. But what about the day where they fall on their face and they have no one to rescue them? Is your loyalty still valid then? Hello. Come on, guys. Come on. Just let, I know some of you are like, oh, man, I just wish I had have used the rain as an excuse today and not come to church. <laughs> <laughs> but we need to hear this. God's not looking for flakes. God's not looking for cowards. God's not looking for quitters. He's looking for loyal people. Okay. Number four. Loyalty, simply put, is I've got your back. And really having the equity to back that up. See, any of my friends know that the day the enemy comes to their house... I'm riding over from my house and I'm going to get the enemy from behind. I'm not going to stand back like half of this culture and Facebook live what happens to the person that I've called friend for the last 15 years. I, I've, seen, I've seen some videos lately where there's people that have had accidents, there are people that have been mauled, there's people getting beat up. You know what most people on the street are doing? They're filming it. We live in a generation of cowards. 
not angry at anyone. I just want us to look more like Jesus. I just want us to say, when we say Father God, that that's not just something we've said so much we don't even know what it means anymore that we're supposed to look like him. Okay. Okay. Point number two. Major point number two. That was what is loyalty. Next point. What isn't loyalty? Loyalty, the opposite of loyalty is treachery. Treachery. Judas was treacherous in that he took the vulnerability of Jesus' relational invitation. Jesus made himself vulnerable by inviting Judas closer. You see, treachery, loyalty, can, you can't be loyal to a stranger. Loyalty can only be established based on proximity and intimacy with that person. Does this make sense? And, and so Jesus allowed Judas in close. Now what that does is that allows you to see the humanity of a person. Treachery will build a list of everything that, they, that you see within the endearing invitation of that invitation closer where now you can do damage. Does this make sense? It looks like the Trojan horse that can go into a city, but then destroy it. Treachery. It has the look of a friend, the kiss of a friend, but it has the intent of an enemy. And he sold, him to, he sold Jesus for money to harm Jesus. Now, now watch this. The opposite of loyalty is the political spirit. Now let me talk about the political spirit for a second. The political spirit is actually rife in our generation. It is rampant, it is a fast-growing cancer, and it's touching most people. Let me explain to you what the political spirit is. The political spirit has an appearance of sophistication. It looks like intelligence, and it looks like someone that actually is super well-educated. But actually, the political spirit is an ultimate coward. Because the political spirit is someone that refuses to take a side. Oh, I just want to be neutral. I just want to love everybody. So you want to love God and the devil? You want to hold God's hand on your left and the devil's hand on your right and think that's going to go well for you? You believe that everyone is awesome. And you're actually too afraid to take a stand because the second you become a person that takes a stand, especially in this caustic society, you become an aggressor. Because now in this day and age, if you speak truth, now you are a charlatan. Because truth ultimately convicts, right? So now that I see my friend drowning... I'm going to stand back and watch. When my friend is attacked and accused, falsely or true, I don't run to protect him. Doesn't mean I'm going to pretend like the truth isn't there. Doesn't mean like if there is actually real problems there that we're not going to actually walk through the real issue. We're going to pretend like we're not going to pretend like it never happened. But it doesn't but doesn't mean that I stand back and give him no friendship. 
no covering. Hello? Loyalty. Loyalty. The political spirit, here, you guys seen Braveheart? You guys seen the movie Braveheart? One of the classic scenes that I, I get really angry that I just want to jump in the movie and get a sword. Like, how can I get myself through the screen and just jump back through time? The, the, when, when William Wallace, he has the battle that's going to change the course of the war, right? But the enemy has come and made a deal with the nobles, the Scottish nobles. And he's right in the middle of the battle in the heat. And he has gone all in, 100% invested. There is no room for him to escape. He is 100% locked into the situation. And the nobles, and he signals the nobles to come in and do their part, to ride in on the flank, and he watches them turn around and ride away. He was all in invested, and the nobles were political because they were more interested in what they stood to lose rather than loyalty. Hello? Hello? They were treacherous. And the problem is, is that there will be people that will go all in to situations, whether the enemy's attacking them or they're, they're confronting something. And you can tell who your real friends are by the ones that are there vocally with you and the ones that remain silent. Okay, let, let, let me give you, and this is, this is not in any way uh, looking to get anything from anyone. Uh, I am fascinated and humored at Facebook. Okay, I'll post a picture of me wearing a Thanos glove. 150 plus people will like it. Okay, I'll say something about abortion. Three people show up. Because you want to come to my Thanos party, but you want to be political when someone puts their neck out. Oh, hello. Oh, well, I don't want to offend anybody. Okay, you keep offending God. I'm going to be over here. Because that's really the only truth I can give you. Your theology has changed to suit your comfort, not to please your God. I'm here to talk about, remember, loyalty is not just about earthly relationship. It's about heavenly honor. I have to be loyal to God before I can be loyal even to my wife. Hello? My loyalty to God assures my loyalty to my wife. But if I'm a coward to him, then everything... Look, I don't like the way you're kind of... That's got loopholes. No, that's the way your brain works. Your brain works with loopholes. My Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So my loyalty to God assures that the relationships in my life are secure. There's one thing I can promise you. You'll never see me silent when my friends are under attack. I'll be the crazy person running down with the... I will be. That's a promise. That's not even a joke. It sounds comedic, but it's actually a fact. And those that are close to me know that that's true. And I have muddied my name protecting my friends, and I have no apology for it whatsoever. Because loyalty matters to God. Okay? If you value your reputation... Here, look, let, let, let me say this. I've walked through some really interesting stuff in ministry. Really interesting where people made some really bad decisions. And I watched people with big names, 
completely understood every part of the details went completely silent because they had a reputation to, to keep while I had a truth to maintain. Hello. Okay, loyalty. Every man, every woman's going to say, I'm loyal, I'm loyal, but the real question is, are we really loyal? So let's go down this road a little bit. Because God hates treachery in the political spirit. You need to understand that very clearly. God hates it. Not a little bit. I'll tell you why God hates treachery. Because every time he sees treachery, it reminds him of the one time that sin manifested in the perfect place. It reminds him that his, one of his most trusted angels turned on him and gathered a third of the angels. Treachery is an abomination to God. Political spirit, because here's the deal. Imagine this for a second. Close your eyes. We're going to have like an infinity war blowout in our mind right now. Okay? Imagine God sitting on the throne and a third of the angels turn dark. Now, if you're God and Michael and Gabriel pick up the sword and start defending your integrity and your honor and your holiness and your throne, because that's what Lucifer was coming for. It wasn't a cross-field battle. It was a battle trying to come to the throne. Understand that. It was the, the front line was approaching the throne because Lucifer said, I will ascend to the holy place and take the throne. I will sit on that seat. Okay? So God, who knows no time, sees it as if it's happening right now. Okay? If there were any angel in heaven that stood and watched, they will not be in heaven anymore. Hello? Because you can either be on one side or the other with God. That's it. But the same is true with your friends. The same is true with, for instance, church. That's why when we moved here and people said to us, oh, we're part of five churches. I looked at them and said, I've never seen a potted plant that can do that. It's like on Monday, I'm just sitting in this pot, and then my little root system's going to come out. I'm going to walk over to this pot, and I'm going to climb into this pot, and on Tuesday, this is my jam. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, how can you be loyal to five? I am going to be loyal to one wife, not five. Hello. If you want to live long and prosper, that is. <laughs> Hello. Okay. <laughs> okay, so, so let, let's look here. Um, I'll, uh, you don't need to turn there, but if you're writing notes, I want you to write down uh, Numbers chapter 12 and verse 10. Now, we know the story of Moses. Moses was raised for 40 years in the courts of Pharaoh. He was raised to be a king and a general. He was trained to rule an empire and also to lead an army, sophisticatedly on high-level war strategy. Understand that. He was not some kid. He was a 40-year-old man. I'm going I'm to be 40 in a few months. So that's my whole life being trained to rule as a king and to lead an army as an excellent general. Okay? He kills a man. He then goes and spends 40 years in the desert where God trains him to lead sheep for 40 years. He sees a burning bush. God calls him by name, sends him back to Egypt with Aaron, his brother, as his spokesperson. Now, Aaron, at this point, is now relegated in. Okay? Now, this is, this is interesting. 
Moses comes into town, there is a massive power struggle, probably with one of his peers. Because I'm guessing that the Pharaoh that sat on the throne when he was a baby was not the same Pharaoh at 80 years old. It was probably one of his peers that he was in Pharaoh's class with. Hello, you understand? Remember that he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. So he was trained as a king. Hello? So he now comes back into Egypt and he faces off with the greatest power. That was the, that was the greatest empire on the planet at that time in history. He faces off with him. The power of God reigns out of heaven and smashes all of Egypt's power. You know, one of them was hailstones. Now, you can think that's real cute with your little selfies with those little tiny like M&M-sized hail. I watched a video last week where hailstones like softballs were coming down. And it literally tore a tree apart like a chainsaw was in it. It looked like, the best way I can describe it is if someone had a 50 cal automatic weapon just going out of the sky. Cars were being literally like, a, a brand new car looked like it had a dent every couple of inches. So everything was destroyed. The windshield, everything was destroyed. So when it says that hail came down as one of the 10 curses, that was literally like God sitting up in the, in the clouds with an AA anti-craft air gun just pointing at the ground going smashing the power of Egypt now watch that fast forward eventually uh, we know that Pharaoh bows and Moses leads all of the slaves out of slavery into freedom and he marries a black woman you know this he married a black woman now watch this so who's Miriam Miriam is his sister That was the one that went down the river when he was the baby in the woven basket. Do you remember? She's caring for it, and and so she's older than him. She can say, I was there when you were in the basket, Moses. I looked after you. You owe me something. Hello? And Aaron is the brother that is essentially his spokesperson. Both of them have a sense of entitlement. But Moses is ultimately the spearhead that leads them into a season of freedom. Can we agree on that? So he takes a, a black woman, which is great. Nothing wrong with that. Hello. Awesome. Come on, you guys are way too quiet. Not going to have any of that rubbish here. Okay. So he takes a black woman as his wife, but Miriam and Aaron are racist. And so they actually disdain murmur and criticize Moses. Now, hang on a minute. This is the guy that God used to set you free from your chains. But now you take it upon yourself to critique who he marries. Hello. So let's see how God handles that. God's got a strong opinion about loyalty, guys. Very strong opinion. Romans chapter, sorry, Numbers chapter 12, verse 10. So Miriam held an opinion, and then God struck her leprous. Okay, you want to you criticize the person that I've given to lead you? Cool. Your skin looks like porridge. Because <laughs> that's what it looked like. It was all white and flaky and messed up. See, loyalty matters to God. Loyalty matters to God, guys. 
We believe that we have the right of an opinion, but the second you aren't loyal to the people in your life, you've become a traitor. Hello? Okay. Okay, we'll leave that right there. Okay, let me prove to you exactly what I'm saying. You can come with me to the book of Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to start from verse 14. And to the angel of the church of Laodiceans write the, uh, write, write these things. Sorry, these things says the, the amen, which is the Lord. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God. I know your works, that you were neither hot or cold. So I see that you've actually taken a little bit of the world and a little bit of the kingdom where you can still drop the lingo, but you've still got enough swag on you where you can, you can get cred with the world. Okay. So then, because, uh, because, you were neither, because you were lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Hello. <laughs> I hope this is making someone uncomfortable today. Because if it's not, I'm not doing a good job. <laughs> Don't worry, it's going to get good in just a little bit here. <laughs> because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. The problem with arrogance is that arrogance believes that I don't need to be loyal. I only need to be loyal to myself. And God takes exception to that because he's actually looking for a decision from you. And he's not just looking for a decision from you to say, I choose Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He's looking for a decision the way you live your life with loyalty. See, I was raised where you, I was raised in a, in a, in a culture that wasn't all good, but there was some really good stuff in it. And you have to be able to learn how to take good stuff out and not always swallow the bad stuff. Okay? But the culture was that you remain loyal to the death. Not just with your friends, but with your church. With your job even. See, like here, or it's not even here, it's now on the planet, if, let's say, for instance, something is said on a Tuesday night prayer night, oh, that's not my church anymore, God's leading me away. God's not even led you away. That's just your cowardice trying to make an excuse for it. And the thing is, is that loyalty actually will cost you and it will hurt. We've become creatures of comfort that will actually try and pander ourselves. Hello? So that we stay comfortable. And if anything becomes difficult or abrasive, well, then it must not be the blessing of God. That's not scriptural at all. It's not. Know that this, in this life, you will have many troubles. <laughs> but lo, I'm with you. Okay? What that's saying is, even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me, God. Hello? We need to read our Bibles again, basically, and just start to actually see that, hang on a minute. God hasn't promised me an easy life. He's promised to be with me in life. And that in life, He wants me to walk with an integrity of heart, and an honor of spirit, and a loyalty of decision. You see, here's the thing. The reason that the world is going to every other religion and a cult and form of witchcraft, because it is right now, is because Christians are flakes. 
Not all, but a lot. And if you're going to follow something, you don't want to look and, and actually see people that are just wishy-washy all over the place. Like, you know, it talks about in James that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways and should not presume that he would receive anything from the Lord. Hello? Tossed about in all kinds of, in, in the waves of, of the sea. So the thing is, is that when someone actually is an integrous person, and I want to get to this, but I don't have a chance to really get to it in, in today's message, that excellence and favor start shining on your face. When people know that they can trust you, that no matter what's blowing up, no matter what kind of day you've had, for instance, for me as a pastor, okay, people think that we have it easy. I work really hard and I don't have an easy life. Oh, that's not what it looks like. Yeah, that's because you can't see it. But I have to make a decision Show up. This morning, I had a difficult morning. And I felt messed in my head. I had some stuff with one of my businesses and just got back to me and it's, it made me upset. But I have to show up here with none of that affecting me. Hello. And I have to be faithful and loyal to what God's given me to do despite how I feel. I can't have a mental health day. Hello? Hello? Because God demands loyalty of me, not emotions. My emotions aren't going to change eternity. My loyalty is. Hello? Okay. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad. I just want you to see that there's a better way. So, so God himself is saying, I'm coming to you, but you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were hot or cold, so we could make a decision. And because you're not going to be uh, decisive and you're going to be political, I'm going to make the decision for you. This is God speaking. Oh, but God's gracious. Yeah, enough to let you make the decision whether you would be hot or cold. Then once you make a decision, then that outcome's out of your hands and it's in his hands. Hello. Okay. Someone getting something today? I don't want anyone to feel beat up. This is a challenging word. And it's one that's going to call you into excellence. Okay, and then you can come back to Joshua, the book of Joshua, after Moses has, has left, or he's getting ready to leave. No, he's actually left at this point. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15. And, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which is the system of the world, right? Maybe an old religion. Maybe the God of self-pleasure. Maybe the God of you being loyal to yourself only. Okay. Um, that are on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, jo Joshua did that, and he actually put a line in the sand. He's like, everyone that's with God on this side, everyone that's not over there. Now, interestingly enough, Jesus said, I'm going to let the tares grow up with the wheat. What that means is the wheat is growing with the weeds. Very appropriate for California, right? So the thing is, is that God's not going to come and just rip people out. He's The reason that people remain at low level but still look like kingdom is because there's grace there to change, okay? That doesn't mean 
everything's okay though. Hello? That's why the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's not an Old Testament reference. That's a new dispensation after the blood was shed at the cross statement. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What that means is, I better not play at this. I need to go all in. I need to go all in and, like I talked about a couple of weeks ago, not leave any gas in the tank. See, about 30 years after Jesus was crucified, the Romans started aggressively persecuting the Jews to the point where they were actually throwing them into Colosseums. And they would say, deny Jesus or face the lions. Now that's a decision. But you have to be loyal before that decision comes. Hello? So that when it's standing facing you in the face, you have an answer. You don't make that decision when the pressure comes on because the truth is you never will make that decision. You've trained yourself to quit. So we have to train ourselves to win. The only one that can do that is Holy Spirit. See, the way that you can become a radical lover of Jesus is by radically encountering Jesus. Okay? And once you radically encounter Jesus, when we understand that we love him because he first loved us and freely I've received, so freely I will give. Jesus has given me loyalty. I must give loyalty. He has given me uh, uh, love and forgiveness. I must walk in that. Amen? Jesus intentionally went to hell and he didn't show up in hell after he died on the cross and say, well, you know, I'm just kind of here for a couple of people because, you know, I'm a little bit emo, Jesus, and, 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 and the Father asked me to come and talk to you because, no, no, Jesus walked in there with ownership of the throne of heaven and he said, I have lived flawlessly and perfectly on this earth. There is nothing that you have in me. While the sins of the world were placed on me, the in part of me is pure. You have nothing here. And I am here to destroy you. And I am going to crush you. And I'm going to take your power away. And you are going to be left with a bruised head, just like my father told Eve in the garden. And I'm going to leave this place with keys. In 30 seconds, go. He could do that because he was still in time, you see. You see what I'm saying? Jesus is 100% loyal. And you need to be as well. The only person that has options is a person that has decidedly become unloyal. Once you're loyal, there is no option other than the only way. I know that this is foreign language to some of you, and I apologize you weren't given the memo earlier in life, but let's make the most of it today. Okay. <laughs> okay, so, so, so there is a consistent theme of choose this day who you'll serve. That's with our relationship with God, but our relationship with God will ultimately reflect our relationship with people. Again, I can't be loyal to people if I'm not loyal to God. Okay, now... Point number three, our issue is in badly invested loyalty. Our issue is in badly invested loyalty. The average, now this is not a dig at millennials. I love millennials. We've got a lot of millennials here. It's just a different age bracket. I'm some other age bracket. But this is a statistic I want us to pay attention to. Millennials, the average millennial will change careers four times in the first decade after college. That is believing and understanding, if you really see that for what it is, 
that is a changeable reset of options. Now, let me put that in perspective. If you go back two, three hundred years, I remember when I was seven years old, I was in London with my parents, and uh, my, my father had a special technology. Um, he was up in England for six months, and we all went with him. He was learning some special cutting-edge technology. And I remember going to the steps of St. Paul's. It's a famous cathedral in London. And they told us that the St. The Paul's was, was built over a few hundred years. Now, the average house takes about six months to build. But this was a, this was a temple, a, a huge cathedral that was built out of stones, the original stonemasons before the Freemasons got involved. Sorry if I knocked over one of your cows. We'll get you delivered in a minute. But they would literally take hundreds of years to build something like one of those cathedrals. Right, now check this out. We were told, and I remember it impacted me at seven years old, that they said that sometimes it was seven or eight generations of men. Think about that for a second. My grandfather did it, my father did it, my great-grandfather did it, my great-great-great-grandfather did it, and I'm doing it. There you go, it. Except they didn't speak like that. There was, my father did it. My grandfather did it. Right? And so, so here's the thing. In that period of time, and I understand that technology and things like that have changed, but the problem with that is so has loyalty. So has steadfastness. We have become changelings. We have become chameleons that adapt to new circumstances. And that's a good thing and a terrible thing. And I've talked about it before. I'm just going to kick it in the teeth again right now. Tinder is a terrible thing as well. Never had it, never will. I'm good. But the problem, and it's not just Tinder. It's all the other options like that where it's like, uh, you know, we were talking to someone a while back. And they're like, well, I'm just kind of like, I'm kind of semi-dating about 10 different guys right now. And if that doesn't work out, well, there's a big pool out there. I can just keep going. And I'm just thinking to myself, that right there is a cancer in our society because it's taught people that if it doesn't work out, next. If they don't turn up for dinner on time, next. If they say something that's a little insensitive, maybe because they're still learning and growing, next. And we've learned that treachery is more valuable than loyalty. We've been reprogrammed. We need to wake up. Okay. <laughs> I'm having fun, if you didn't know. I'm loving this. Can I, can I tell you that some people in your circle are actually not for you? Part of the problem with loyalty is that we've spent too long giving loyalty to those that aren't loyal. We've been loyal to people that have no intention of being loyal to us. One of the most disappointing things that you'll ever discover in your life is that William Wallace standing on the battlefield giving 150%. Men are dying all around him. And the people that, aren't, that were sitting at his table that shook his hand and said, we'll be there, we'll back you up, walk away. That's one of the most painful things you'll ever, you'll ever encounter in your life because actually you'll find that disloyalty is the mother of betrayal. Disloyalty is the mother of betrayal. This is a great Sunday service. <laughs> okay, real quickly, I've got some more scriptures. Is someone getting something today? I'm going to try and finish soon-ish. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. This is, this is what uh, it says. 
1 John chapter 2, verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not for us or not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have stayed with us. But they went out that it might be manifest that none of them were of us. You know, I, I have been shocked in the course of my life. You can be doing life, like, let, let me just give church example because we're in church. You can be doing life with someone, someone will be coming to your house eating dinner, and all of a sudden, after two, three years, they just don't show up anymore, and you don't see them again. And you start to ask yourself, part of my heart is hurting over the fact that they have disappeared and that they don't even want to talk. But obviously it doesn't hurt them because I was obviously never of value to them. Because you can't throw something away that matters. Hello? You can't just wash someone out that actually you never cared for. Hello? Oh man, I'm smashing stuff today. <laughs> we need to hear this stuff. How can you throw some, someone away or something away? that you claimed you were loyal to. You've obviously got a perverted idea of loyalty. Okay. Oh, crashing bombs. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll move away from that point. Next point. Next point is number four. I just needed to touch on it a little bit so you can read between the lines and, and, and think about that. Okay. Point number four, living loyal. Living loyal. This is where we've all come to. You, you can't just talk about the positive things when you're, when you're talking about a subject like this. You have to talk about the other sides of the coin. Because if you don't, you're not going to recognize those things and they'll, be, they'll remain unchecked. So we need to talk about things like that. We need to talk about disloyalty. Okay, so choosing people. So number four is living loyal. Choosing people that you will call friends is one of the most incredibly important choices of your life. Because, you know, like for me, Jesus, A number one, choosing the woman that I would be with, that's right there. Because it's not just the cute romantic Facebook pictures while we were dating. It's the having kids and walking through the trials of life for, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, and sickness and health. All of those good things, all of those difficult things, you want to know that it's not just me being loyal, it's you being loyal back. Hello. And, and we want to make sure, like I said before, one of our problems is because we invest poorly or we've invested badly with loyalty with people that don't hold the same values. And we, 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 would, settle for, we would settle for cuteness and they're batting their eyes at me rather than this person has integrity, maturity, and character and can guard me. See, I'm a strong individual. I can take on almost anything that comes my way except betrayal. And when I am betrayed, I need a real friend because I don't care who you are, how great you are, betrayal makes you feel weak for a moment. But when you are betrayed, you need a friend that can come in round behind you and can cover your flank with their shield. That's a real friend. Not just the moments where it looks glamorous. Not just the moments where there's benefit. What about the moments where there's costly loyalty and allegiance? That's the kind of loyalty you want in your life. And that's the kind of loyalty you need to give. Okay. So, let me just, just scroll, scroll on me. Okay. 
Choosing loyalty means unlearning bad culture. So I've just started touching a little bit on bad culture today. Okay? We need to actually unlearn it. Now, let me just, let me just, when I first got here um, eight years ago now with my wife, I was shocked at the, the relational culture here because people don't care about you here, really. Now, in the world in general, people don't care about you. But here, they treat you so well, but they really don't care. And I thought to myself, oh my God, what is this? And then God actually started speaking to me. And this is what he told me, and it shocked me, because I didn't understand the history of this territory very well, which I should have been a prophetic person. He said, Andrew, this territory was founded on the gold rush where every man came to stake his own claim. Every man came for his own benefit. And people would kill each other over claims. You guys know what I mean by a claim? If not, go check out Claim Jumper. But <laughs> That's not real. I need to lighten things up a little bit. But people would come here to, and they would rush here from the east for gold. True? And they would kill people over claims. They would, they would kill people over gold. And every man came here on his own and it set up a territorial atmosphere over California where people only care about themselves. And if someone else gets trampled while they get there, who cares? Hello? And it's turned into a generational atmosphere over this territory. And we need to unbreak it. Amen? Loyalty is, goes the longer way, but it builds a stronger community. Loyalty, it, it, it definitely costs you more, but it'll reap you more. Okay. How about this idea? If you're going to be someone's friend, be the best friend that they ever had. How about that idea? And that's not just, hey, cool, let's go watch Captain Planet. Cool, let's go. There's another great movie out. Let's go watch that. Let's just spend five to six nights a week doing fun stuff. That's not a friend. Not a real friend anyways. That's a, that's a fun time, fair weather friend. A real friend is a friend that's going to be with you in good times and bad times. A good friend is going to get in your face when you're messing up. Not stay quiet when you're not. Okay. See, but we've learned to be disloyal to someone that gets in our face. I'm just going to walk. They're just far too combative. I just felt like they were being so hostile with me. Now, maybe they were trying to save you from a train wreck in life because you're so dysfunctional and no one else has the guts to tell you, but they do. It's really good. <laughs> the Bible says that if you want to have friends, show yourself friendly. True? If you want friends, show yourself friendly. If you want loyal friends, show yourself loyal. Now, I'm not here to tell you that being loyal is going to mean that everyone will be loyal back. Some people are going to take advantage of it. Judas did it with Jesus. There's no escaping it. Okay? But understand, please understand, that there is no culture acceptable outside of loyalty in the kingdom of heaven. When people just 
especially like my wife and I have encountered this a lot. There's people that we have poured our lives into hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of counseling and help. It was a one-way street. It was a take, 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 take. There was never any real loyalty. And there's people that are going to do that. It's okay. Jesus fed the 5,000, and they were the ones screaming for his blood just a few months later. So that's going to happen. Betrayal's going to happen. But as best as you can control it, make sure you're the one that's issuing loyalty. While being wise, oh, I've been hurt. I just don't know if I can do that anymore. Don't let anyone else's bad behavior dictate your behavior. Don't let anyone else's treatment of you influence your level of walking in integrity and loyalty in front of God. Because remember that we walk in integrity before God far before we ever worry if man is noticed. The problem is, is that sometimes we show loyalty to try and manipulate loyalty. We try and show friendship to get something out of that person. I mean, I've been around some very well-known people in my life. And you know what I've done with a few of them? I've looked him in the eye and said, I just want you to know I'm Andrew Billings. I don't want anything from you. Because people like that are some of the most sad and lonely people on the entire planet. You know why? Because everyone around them has built a facade of loyalty that's betrayal waiting to happen to get something. Okay. Now, I've got some cool stuff to say. Is that all right? Now we got through the, the, the blood and guts part. <laughs> Yeah, let me, let me put these two points I wrote, then I'm going to read you a couple, of, a couple of examples from Scripture, and then we're going to land, okay? My friends will never need to question their honor in my absence. In their, sorry, in their absence when I'm around. My friends will never need to question their honor while they're absent while I'm around. See, one of the worst things that a friend can ever do while someone's bad-mouthing one of my friends is stay quiet. To sit there and stay quiet while another person speaks evil of my friend, that's a sin to me. My, my sword must come out and I must defend their honor. It happened to me in, in, my, in my last trip, but this is a lifestyle thing for me. It's not something that I try to do, it's who I am. Because I believe this, and I believe it's the nature of God. See, the reason I'm, I'm going to prove it to you right now is that when the devil comes to accuse me before God in heaven, Jesus stands up and opposes him. <laughs> now you want to look like God this is what it looks like I will not let you speak an evil word about my friend in my presence how dare you I'll get very unpastor like and baptize you for a long time <laughs> just kidding just kidding second thing I will be prepared to fight the battles of see before my friend even has to engage, I'm going to be there trying to see if I can do it for him. That's the truth. Those that are close to me know that that's true. I will fight for my friends because I believe in ownership, not spectatorship. Not going to sit back and watch my friends drown. I'm going to fight for them as if they were there, as if their life depended on it. Like I was getting ready to tell you a story. I was in Asia and I'd about halfway through my trip, and I sat down with a pastor of a very influential, he was involved in a very big and very influential church, and a name of a man came up, that's another pastor that I worked with in Asia, and he started to speak evil, I said, let me stop you right there, 
That's a man of God you're talking about. And I'm his friend. And while you can criticize him, we can all be criticized. And I said, and I just want to let you know that what God's doing in his church far surpasses what happens in most people's churches. So let's close our mouths. Now, I know you, you, you were there in that meeting room, right? That happened. This is not, not, and actually, it was a lot more aggressive than that. I was giving you the nice version. <laughs> Peter rebuked Paul to his face publicly because Peter was being a hypocrite, hanging out with the Gentiles as soon as the Jews show up. Peter's like pretending like he can't stand them and that they're unclean and he's moving over to hang out and eat with the Jews. See? Sorry, Paul rebuked Peter. Okay? A friend will rebuke. Okay? Oh, I don't like that. That's controlling. Well, no, you're just full of non-kingdom stuff. Okay. Okay. Let's go. I've got two scriptures. (laughs) Okay. 1 Samuel chapter 18 verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. Let's talk about loyalty. I'm going to land in a minute. I know I've spent a long time on this. Well, not really that long. A little bit. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. What that means is, Jonathan and David took care of each other as if taking care of themselves. This is what loyalty looks like. Saul took him that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. So he, got, he gets adopted in. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David. And with his armor even his sword and his bow and his belt. Now, I want you to see that for a second. Jonathan, who's the king's son. Now, forget for a second that David's anointed to be king. Just, just see this for a second. Jonathan is the king's son. He is the heir to the throne of Israel. Can we agree on that? He takes off his robe, which means dignity and covering. Then he gives him his weapons and his armor, which means strength. He says everything... That Because it, back then, people were a lot more poetic, a lot more chivalry. People just send messages on Facebook now. Okay? <laughs> Jonathan was saying, everything of mine is at your disposal. Because we have covenant. We are now more than brothers. Does this make sense? Loyalty. See, this is, this is a territory where if, if the ship starts sinking, people start swimming instead of figuring out how to, how to close the hole in the, in the ship. I've watched that so many times in this territory. Oh, it's gonna, I need to get out right now because it could make me look bad. Okay. Real quick. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of the scripture, but... What what Jonathan did there was he gave him all of his, his, his garment and his armor. But it went on because the, if you read down a little further, Saul, now, now check this out. Saul, Jonathan's father, starts hearing that the people are getting real excited about David because Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his tens of thousands. Right? David's becoming a mighty man. The anointing's starting to grow in his life now. And Saul, who's Dave, Jonathan's father, starts to become jealous and hateful towards David. Now, 
Jonathan, you'll find, remained loyal to the death with David, even against his own father who had turned evil. Jonathan saved David's life when he could have had obligation to stand with his evil father. Hello? Loyalty looks like something that could cost you everything. You might not even get anything out of loyalty, but God sees it and God rewards you. Hello? Like, I, I know someone that had an encounter where they actually, I think it was Mary Baxter actually, and she said that she, she had an encounter and Jesus showed her a church service and the angels were in the church service watching the people that would faithfully come and writing a record of it. Those that faithfully come, those that give, everything like that, and they write a record of it, and it goes to the throne of heaven. See, there's something about loyalty and faithfulness that really matters to God that I think is a massively overlooked attribute in today's society. Okay, last scripture. Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel, sorry, chapter 23. I'm going to read from verse 8. Now, you guys know of David's mighty men? They were the guys that came to David when they were beat up, messed up, broke, confused, and complete train wrecks. Okay? But they had loyalty to David, and David had loyalty to them. And they, had, they met him when he was in the cave of Adullam, not on the throne. Okay? Now, I just want to read you who these guys became, what loyalty produces. Okay? These are the names of the mighty men of David. Now, I'm probably going to do this terribly. Josh, because you read it quietly in your head, but then when it's time to read it out loud, it all makes sense when you're reading it quietly in your head, but the second you want to say it out loud, it's like, dude, I haven't been speaking in tongues enough for the last three hours to make this happen. Okay. Josh Hebbasheth, that sounds like backtracking, doesn't it? I'm just going to try and skip this. The chief of the captains, he was called Adino, the is, 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 is whatever that is, is knight, because he had killed 800 men at one time. That's not Rambo. That's not Terminator. That's a sword. 800 dudes died. I'm not condoning. Okay. This dude was bad to the bone on every level. Okay. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo. That's where the Dodos went. The Oahe, the whatever that is. One of the three mighty men who, David, who with David, when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand, his hand was weary and his hand struck the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, 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 you can choose which one you want there and just insert here, the Hariite, the Hariite, whatever that is. The Philistines had gathered together into a troop. (laughs) I knew I was going to do badly, and I'm exceeding my expectation. Where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the the people fled from the Philistines, but he stationed himself in the middle of the field and defended it and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Then three of the 30 chief men went down at harvest time to come to David at the camp of Adullam and a troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Raphium. Uh, David 
<coughs> was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then uh, in Bethlehem. And now, now this is the part that I wanted to get to. David's men were so loyal to him. Now, I want you to, I want you to check this out. They, David and his men had actually been cornered into a, into a territory in a stronghold, and the Philistines had literally encamped around them like a, like a besiegement, okay? Now, now watch, what, watch what David says. He says, Oh, that someone would give me a drink from the water from the well of Bethlehem, which was, which was by the gate. So he's not just saying, I want a drink. He's saying, I want that bottle of Evian. I want that one particular water because it tastes a certain way. Okay? And he just probably was saying it loosely. And so the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew the water from the well. Now, just hang on a minute. Wait, a, hold up a second. These dudes were so loyal to him that they weren't just worried about the battle. They are surrounded by a legion troop of Philistines and they decide they're going to go on a little munchies run. (laughs) These three guys pick up their weapons and they run straight through the ranks of the Philistines. This is a trip. They all could have died for a drink of water. I respect these guys. And took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, David would not drink it because David had integrity. But poured it out to the Lord as a drink offering. He said, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of men who went in jeopardy of their lives? I love, you can see consistently with David, he walks with so much integrity and honor. But I just want to show you something here. Loyalty in the kingdom needs to start looking like this again. We need to get loyalty back where the enemy doesn't get through our ranks. If someone is being targeted by the enemy, we rally around them. That's why it says when one suffers, we all suffer. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. It's got to stop being, oh, Sally's down the street. She's just getting taken out right now. Let's just sit back and watch her with the vultures. Hello? See, unfortunately, the church has become a place that kills its wounded. Instead of fighting to resuscitate them. Now, I understand that there's people that just aren't looking to stick around and they're not looking to be loyal. You can't give loyalty to someone that's purposely not giving loyalty back. You can try and restore someone in the spirit of meekness that's, that's straying. That's what the Bible says. But if we live lives of loyalty... The kingdom gets stronger and people don't get victimized by the enemy so easily. Hello. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and we close. Loyalty. Father, I just pray that you would instill loyalty, the spirit of loyalty into us, God, that we wouldn't be flakes, that we wouldn't be weak, that we wouldn't be cowards, that we wouldn't go the easy way, that we wouldn't be uh, betrayers, God. That we would be ones that fight for the relationships that you've given us. That we would be ones that would see another as the value of our own life, Father. In Jesus' name. That we would be known for so much integrity at dwelling place. That it would start to literally permeate this territory and change the culture in the church, in this area, God. That you would just breathe fresh integrity and character into our lives. In Jesus' name. Just lift up your hands. God, give me loyalty like I've never had before. I ask that you would bring loyalty to my spirit like I've never had before. I would hold the line that I would, that I would, that I would uh, uh, 
persevere, God, and, and, and be diligent to pursue having more and more loyalty to you, God, to my commitments, to my relationships, and to my station where you've placed me, God. In the name of Jesus, we bless you, Father, and we ask that you would just breathe over us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.